You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. Looking at this pretty dysfunctional church, as Paul writes them a letter, um, uncovering some stuff. We've been talking about what we sweep under this church is pretending some things aren't happening that are. And uh, we come up to this morning, uh, 1 Corinthians 12 and 13. Um, and I thought being it's actual um, Pentecost Sunday, next Sunday as well, I thought it was a great time to talk over the next two weeks around the Holy Spirit. Um, and so this morning will be a little info heavy. Um, but I do that like kind of creating a garden bed or a, a, a stake for a vine to grow so that we can kind of, um, I want to say sandbox as well, so we have some parameters to play in. Um, so we know... And we don't hurt each the church in Corinthians is actually hurting each other over some of the stuff and the Holy Spirit's giftings. And so we're going to kind of talk about some of that stuff today. So just, it is a bit info heavy, but I encourage you to take notes. I encourage you to read it yourself. Um, we haven't gone line by line through this book. And so I'm, I'm praying and hoping that I know fair few are on a reading plan and reading through this and wrestling this out in their small tables and small groups. But we're going to cover some things today. And so I'm going to pray for that because um, I feel like I need prayer for that. And I'm also going to pray for tomorrow. Uh, if you don't know, if you knew her, uh, the, the Strickland family have been a very um, active family in this church. And last week, um, Jenny Strickland passed away and tomorrow is her funeral. And so you'll actually be here at 11 a.m. if you know the Strickland family or you just you want to support them or knew Jenny. Um, and so please, I'll be praying for them as well. And, and the boys, the three boys and all their great-grandkids. I think there's great-grandkids and I think there might be great-great-grandkids as well. And so let me, um, let me pray for them and the message this morning. Fathers, we talk about something that, like the rest of 1 Corinthians, that can be quite divisive, that we can have strong opinions on, um, that we can have hurt over or very, very strong beliefs. I just pray that you guide these words, guide the text. We don't need to guide the text, you already did. God my, God, God, my words as I unpack the text. And I just pray for the Strickland family as well. As we celebrate the life of Jenny, um, we celebrate the fact that she's with you, but we pray for comfort for her family because uh, they miss her and they have to remain here till they see her again. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's jump into it. I'm going to st- skip 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to come back to that next week. Um, and I want to start in 13 and i will skip some passages but i'll tell you when i do that you can either read here um and please encourage you after this unpack this take notes look over it yourself as well first corinthians 13 starts with paul talking about the gifting or the gifts from the holy spirit if i speak in tongues of men or of angels but i do not have love i'm only a resounding gong or a clanging symbol. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give only over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I have nothing. I gain nothing. And then the verse that is read at almost every universal wedding ever but is, in, is, is, is lovely, but is in the context of a church that is actually struggling and is way more powerful than that, than just a poem, but is also a lovely verse as well. 
about the power of love as Malcolm just spoke about. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, they will pass away before we know in part and we prophesy in part. But the completeness comes. What is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see his face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And these, and now these three remain, faith, hope and love. But the greatest of these is love. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in tongues does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit, but the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but those who prophesy edify the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I'd rather you have prophecy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. And then I'm just skipping down to 11 um, for time and it continues, but it's around this order of tongues and prophesy and a little bit of background the church which we've covered, but if you haven't been with us the last few weeks, there's, uh, we know contextually there's a temple down the road <laughs> and they, are having, they have priestess. Ian spoke about this. Some of them were basically prostitutes as well as part of their temple practice. And they would also, um, there's a scene in the movie 300, actually, where he visits one of these oracles and she babbles on, um, they believe they were pretty, they were high on stuff or just out of it and they would babble on and they'd make all these noise, they'd make a lot of noise. And so Paul is both being, talking about tongues and prophecy in general, but it, he's also got that in the rear view mirror of this church, this temple down the road that is just absolute chaos. And so a lot of this is, a lot of people in the church would have been asking, oh, should we be doing that? They're saying, no, 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 there's an order to this. There's a discernment. This is a gifting. This is out of love. This is not what they're doing. Just a bit of background. If I then do not group the meaning of what someone is saying, I'm a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker is a foreigner to me. So it is with you. Since you are eager for the gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. For this reason, the one who speaks in a tongue should pray that they may inter be interpret what they say. If I pray in a tongue with the spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful, then what should I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I also sing with my understanding. Otherwise, when you're praising God in the spirit, how can someone else who is now put in the position of inquire or say amen to your thanksgiving? Since they do not know what you're saying. You're giving thanks well enough, but no one else is edified. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than any of you. But in the church, I'd rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. 
Brothers and sisters, stop thinking like children in regard to evil. Be infants. But in your thinking, be adults. In the Lord is written with other tongues and through the lips of foreigners I will speak to his people, these people. But even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Like I said, next week is Pentecost. And in this church, whenever we mention the Holy Spirit, whenever we talk about the Holy Spirit, I met with one question overwhelmingly. And actually it's been increasing. It's a good question. Um, and I want to talk about it today. But it's this question. What is our position on the Holy Spirit and its giftings? Now, this is only the type of question. It's funny. This is the only type of question Christians ask. If you're new to church, you're like, well, there's a Holy Spirit. Sounds like you don't do that stuff. Do some of that stuff. That sounds... But only Christians, <laughs> classic Christian move, we have positions on everything. And so that's why we have so many denominations. We have ideas around this. We have debates and wrestles. And I love that. It's not a bad thing. And if you ask me that, I'm not knocking you because I've been exploring this. What is our position? Burley Heads Church of Christ, what is our position on this? And if you didn't know, I'm going to talk about the multiple positions. Again, not just for knowledge's sake, but hopefully that we can build on that and, and, and move in that and grow in that. Amen? So what is our position? Well, what are the positions? What am I talking about if you're not sure? What are the positions when it comes to the Holy Spirit and the gifting? Well, I really appreciate this graphic. This really helps out. Uh, this is from a friend of mine, Pat Hegarty, at Kenmore Church of Christ. He's put together this, and it's really helpful. We're not going to go through it all today, but I really like, on one end, you have what is called a sensationalist. I always say that wrong. Sensationalist. And on the other, on the other hand, is actually not a continuist. That's the other move, but that, the rest of it is a continuist. Right over to the danger zone, which I believe Paul is talking about, which is reckless. So Pat Hegarty has put these two together, and I really appreciate the way he's put it. It's kind of two extremes that are, can be dangerous. Um, so I'm not calling continuationalist dangerous. And I'll explain what that is in a second. I'm calling when it gets reckless. That's when it gets dangerous. So have a look at that. I really appreciate that visually around what we're looking at. But we're looking at a sensationalist and a continuous point of view with the gifts. And what, am I, what on earth am I talking about with all these words? <laughs> with these C words if you haven't heard them before. Because I hadn't always heard these before. Um, Sensationalists believe, and it's actually out of this verse, they believe that the verse that says, love never fails, but when there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they'll be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. The most extreme sort of of that view is that when the Bible was formed and as the church flourished, the gifting of the Holy Spirit ceased. Stopped. So they, they, don't, they, don't, they believe the Holy Spirit exists, but they believe it stopped, it ceased. There's no more need for that on the completion of the Bible. That's the, probably the most extreme on that end. And when, when I say reckless, the other end is, um, and some of us have had real painful experiences around this, where, oh, you don't have that gift, you're not welcome in our church. That's reckless. So that's reckless. It's, oh, you don't, oh, you don't speak in tongues? Oh, okay then, sorry, you don't enter the, the, the cool kids club. Um, that's what I mean by reckless. I'm not saying when you use the gifts, because there is a massive spectrum 
amen in the middle. <laughs> so we're talking, I have some family members that will not, um, extend, extended family members that won't come to this church because we don't all speak in tongues. Um, they'll only go to their church. And so that's when it becomes, I believe, reckless. And I think 99, maybe 100% of you would agree. The other side is, no, they don't exist. Um, and then, of course, in between. So maybe these ones exist, or maybe they're slowing down, or maybe they don't exist as much, or maybe they work here and they don't work here. In some form, we've all got a little bit of sensations if we believe nothing should be added to the Bible. So I think 99% of us would believe that, hey, if I brought out tomorrow, if I bring out the Gospel of Stephen Gray and tell you this is the new book that needs to be added to the Bible, we all believe, I would hope, <laughs> tell me if you wouldn't because that's a big issue, you would come and say, no, 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 that's not divine scripture. That's just a book you wrote. <laughs> With maybe some good thoughts, but it's not inspired scripture. So in that sense, we all sit in that camp. We don't believe the Bible is extending. We don't believe there's more Gospels being written. So, question, what's our position? Where do we stand? What is our position? Great question. Glad you asked. You've asked a lot. I've asked it. What's our position? In the range of this, what is our position as a church? I'm getting there. <laughs> what I love about that question and what I believe is under that question, at least for me and many of us, is actually some other questions. I think under that question is actually, especially it's been increasing here at this church, is what am I actually allowed to practice here? It's not actually what is my position. What am I allowed to practice here? Am I able to use my gifts at this church? Great question. I have been burnt by recklessness. Am I safe here? Some of you will ask because you want to know am I safe here? All great questions underneath what I believe is, what's our position here? What am I allowed? What am I safe to do? What am I not safe to do? Will I be judged if I do this? Will I be kicked out if I do this? Will I be frowned upon if I speak about this? Am I allowed to use gifts that I feel like the Holy Spirit has gifted me with? And not just the sign gifts, not the big gifts. What does the Holy Spirit do? What am I allowed to do? Give me permission, is what I'm hearing, to explore this. Great, great, the best questions. And you're ready for the answer? We don't have a position. Everyone can give me a bit of, oh, you built that up. We don't have a position. If you asked every single one of our board members, they might tell you where they sit. They might practice different gifts. But they would all have a different view, slightly. But I believe most of our board members are pretty united on, I don't believe any of our board members are, hardcore sensationalists. But we don't have a position as a church. And I actually believe it's extremely dangerous if we did. It would actually be unchurch of Christ and I actually think that's not what Paul is talking about. We don't have a position. I don't think we should be boxing God in. I guess that's my position. My position... As we spoke about this whole series, we've been looking at a church that is just trying to box people in. You're with Paul. You got baptised by this guy. You got baptised by this guy. They're looking for divisions. They're looking for tribes to enter. But this is not the tribe to divide us over. 
Church of Christ has that saying, in the essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty. You can hold any position in there and you are welcome here. Amen? You're welcome here. The only thing we hold is the king. (laughs) His kingdom, his mission. Jesus. Everything else. We can hold it tension. I want us to wrestle about it. I want us to talk about this. I want us to politely debate. I want us to talk in our small tables. That's what they're for. Edify each other. Work this out. Disagree. It's okay to disagree. But we don't have a position. I think it's dangerous to box the Holy Spirit in. With the non-essentials I'm talking about. Jesus being God, that's an essential. Jesus dying for you, that's an essential. Our end times view, on which comes first, where the rapture works out, um, we, we don't have a point of view on that. We have a view, I have a view on that, but we don't have a church position on that. All I know is that when Jesus came, the Pharisees, the experts, completely missed him. And so I think we need to be careful when we're experts of what's coming, coming next. Can we talk about it? Amen. Will we run series on it? We should. Will we have a position? No. Holy Spirit should not be boxed in. We don't have a position on our style. We don't have a position on our favourite Bible version. Some of you are King James only and some of you like the message. You two can debate, have some fun with that. We enjoy reading from the ESV. It's a great version. I think as long as you're reading the Bible, that's fantastic as long as you're in his word. All highly debated, but we don't have a position. What instead I'd like to look at today, again, I said it was a bit heady today, I'd like to look instead at values. I think Paul highlights some values when it comes to using the spirit, when it comes to being filled with the Spirit, when it comes to spiritual gifts, he has values instead. So that we know if we're getting into reckless, damaging territory, we use values. Amen? Like the garden growing, we want to grow in these gifts, but we also want values. And so let me give you this morning some values on the Holy Spirit. And why do I want to, expre- why do I want to preach on this? Why is this important? One, because you have asked... But two, I think there's a real heart in Burley Heads Church of Christ, a real hunger for permission. I think of a lot of you, I think there's a heart here to go, what am I allowed to do? I want to pursue the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it's not spoke about, sometimes it's not. Sometimes just conservative culture just ignores it. We don't have a position, but we sometimes ignore it. I grew up in a church that I loved and I really appreciated, but for my, at least my childhood... It was a very brethren-inspired church. And so no one got up the front and said their position, but we just didn't talk about the Holy Spirit culturally. And so again, they weren't evil. They're allowed to have their views and thoughts. But I'm a bit more, I'm personally hungry. If the Holy Spirit's capable of more in my life, in this church, then I want to know, right? (laughs) 
And so let's look at some safety parameters, I guess, some values that Paul highs at to know it's not getting reckless. And I guess the central question I want us to consider this morning before we look more practically next week is this one. Before we just head into these values, this is the question I'd love you to sit. If you only get one question, is it there, boys? Do I want the Holy Spirit to be involved in? Or do I want the Holy Spirit to be involved in your life? Maybe it's, do I want the Holy Spirit to be involved in my life? If you're taking notes, write that down. Here's the central question of this series. Do you actually want the Holy Spirit to be involved in your life? Is there more to it? Then if the answer is yes, then let's find out. If there's less to it, the answer is yes, let's find out. (laughs) Do I honestly want, as I'm sitting here, the Holy Spirit to be part of my life? If there is more, then I want that. If there is less, I want to know. Do I want that? And then as I start to play and explore, what are some safety values? So the first one just popped up before. First value, I guess, as a church, inspired by Paul's letters, is unity and love. Unity and love. When it comes to practicing the Holy Spirit, when it comes to learning and hearing and activating those gifts, his first value is in unity and love. And I've got three things under there that he speaks about. He speaks about for the common good, towards the mission, and not self seeking. Paul is clear the Holy Spirit is for the common good. He does speak about there's some personal edification but overwhelmingly when we're in the assembly on Sunday it's common good. It's towards the mission. It's always to build the church and it's not self-seeking. I reckon the most beautiful example is, is Pentecost. There's this ancient story way before Pentecost where Humans build this structure to their own glory, the Tower of Babel. And God sees that, and it's all about them. It's not for the common good. It's for themselves. It's not towards God's mission. It's for their own, and it's self-seeking. And they build this tower called the Tower of Babel, ancient story in the Bible. And what does God do? He divides and confuses their language because they're not building the kingdom. They're building something that's self-serving. On Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes. And what what happens? People understand each other. The reverse Babel. Why? Because we're saved. We can be saved by that point. Jesus has died. Holy Spirit has come. We're building a common good. We've got a kingdom mission. It doesn't involve a tower or an empire. It involves a kingdom. And it's about everyone else. Reverse Babel, unity and love. If you're you're trialling, if you're curious, if you're asking people about the vast spectrum of the Holy Spirit and you want to know if you're in the safety zone, if you're going to damage people, ask yourself, is this bringing us together and is this done in love? My first value, number one values for looking at exploring the Holy Spirit. And if you're new here today and you're from a more Pentecostal expression, you might be, I don't understand this, but for us, we have a culture here that probably leans more conservative. Um, And so that's why we're exploring this. So this is new to you. Just enjoy the information and maybe help lead us in some of these areas. But these are going to be our values. Unity and love. Common good towards the mission, not self-seeking. The second one, discernment and order. Discernment and order. 
And I've got three things under these things. Knowing scripture, discernment with leadership and discernment in community. If anyone speaks in tongue or two or three should speak, one at a time and someone must interpret. If there is no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God. Talking about interpreters. Two or three prophets should speak and the others should weigh carefully what is said. And if revelation comes to someone who is sitting down, the first speaker should stop. There's a, there's a, there's a discernment piece here. It says later on, but everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. There's an order here. Now, are we at the risk at Burley Heads of Church across to being disorderly? No. And if, you, if, you, if you're worried about that, think of the church in Corinthians. They're sweeping under the covers incest. They're babbling like the prophet prostitutes down the road. They're getting drunk on communion wine during church and then they're eating all the food so none of the poor have any. When we start to explore this, we're okay to have <laughs> to start exploring this. We're not there. We're not disorderly. But it's good to know it's about discernment and order. If you have a word from God and it's not encouraging, it's not unifying, it's not loving, then come and have a check with leadership. Maybe check that with a person you trust in this church. Discernment. It's good quality. We need each other. Because it may not be the Holy Spirit. It might just be a random thought you thought about. Discern, order. Does that make sense? Knowing scripture. I tell you what, if God says something to you that is different to what scripture says, it's not God. There's a position for you. <laughs> if it is, contradicts the Bible. Again, I've told this story before. I knew a, a, a single mum and her son and her husband left her because God told him to go be an evangelist in the States. No, he didn't. And he definitely didn't tell you to leave your wife. But that's the, that's the trap we can easily, maybe not that extreme, but that's the trap we get into when we don't know scripture or we don't ask somebody. Discern with others, discern with leadership. That's what we're here to do. We have elders, come and have a chat to us. We'll pray together. We may not know. I've had people come to me with different things and go, well, can you just have a think about this? And I'll pray about it. We don't have some secret connection you have. You come to the elders and are like, no, that's definitely, no, okay, let me pray about that. An orderly way. Think about who's beside you. Think about who's around you. Orderly way. Unity, love, discernment and order. He's not trying to quench the Holy Spirit, Paul, here. He's not trying to just stop it. He's trying to see it grow healthily till it gets to the, so it doesn't become damaging. It doesn't become reckless. It doesn't become offensive or confuses new believers. We forget we can do this not just with giftings. We can do this so easily, church. We, if we've done this, I've done this now, church, for... Um, I'm coming up 37 years. That's how long I've been alive. So I've been in church around 37 years. And there's things I don't realise that is so strange to people that walk in for the first time. Are we thinking about that before we do something? Are we at least explaining it before we do something? That can be as simple as reading scripture. I've said this before. If, we, if I got up and said, uh, the lamb 
has been slain and his blood overfloweth the cup. Thank you. What on earth does that mean if you've never stepped in a church? Where's the lamb? Is it that juice that we're drinking or is that actually blood? And did it come from a lamb and why? That's what you'd be thinking. So let's just orderly and discernment, thinking about who's in our community, thinking about who's walked in. Sounds basic, but we don't have almost thousands of denominations. It's a bit more complex than that. This stuff divides. This stuff hurts people. But this is also exciting. And then my third value out of this, eager curiosity and grace. And this is probably my favourite out of the three points if I'm allowed to have a favourite. And I've got three things under that. A heart to learn, a heart to try, a heart of grace. One of the biggest values we see in Paul's letters, and especially this letter, is an eagerness to pursue the Spirit. comes back to that question at the very beginning. Do I want to know more about the Holy Spirit? Am I eagerly curious? It can be scary. It can be unknown. You might have been hurt. It can be damaging. You might have a view that you're working and wrestling on. But am I eager to know the Holy Spirit? Obviously, there's more than the gifts. There's the Holy Spirit's transformation in our own life. We'll talk about that next week. Obviously, it's the counsellor. It's the helper. As Jesus goes, he goes, I'm sending a helper. And then there's his gifts. Do I, do I have a, a childlike curiosity, but an adult discernment? <laughs> a childlike wonder. This is God. Anytime you can explain God, you, there's an issue. Anytime, I've said this a thousand times, but I love, anytime you think God agrees 100% with you, there's an issue. You might be worshipping a bigger version of yourself if God 100% agrees with everything that you think. <laughs> if he doesn't blow you out, if he doesn't blow you out of the water, if he doesn't confuse you, if it, if it all makes perfect sense, I'm not talking about Jesus saving your life and, and you, you becoming transformed, that, that clicks because you're in it. I'm talking about if the wonder of God isn't wonderful and amazing, then... then I pray this morning for that curiosity and then grace with each other. You know, you can have the gift of music, but you still need to practice. And so I'm not excusing false prophets or things like that. I'm not talking about that. But if you have a picture from God and you want to give it to someone, if it's encouraging, if it's unifying, if it's loving, if it's orderly and discerning, and it means nothing to them, you come up to someone and say, I have a picture of a, I want to say blue chair because I'm looking at a blue chair. Let's go red chair. Does that mean anything to you? No, not at all. A bit of grace. Let's have grace with each other. Okay. I don't have to bring you before the elders. You're a false prophet. You're just seeing what God could be saying, could be doing. Amen? Eager curiosity and grace. Eager curiosity and grace. A heart to learn, a heart to try, a heart of grace. I've just done another little picture here. I wonder where you could be. You don't know. You've been burnt. You're scared and you're unsure. There's eager curiosity just pointing towards Jesus and his truth and his spirit.
if I'm completely honest as your pastor, I'm learning on this. I'm learning. I'm eagerly curiosity, curious. And probably after being a pastor, if I get to be a pastor for 100 years, I hope I'm still eagerly curious about the wonderful Holy Spirit and its work. Not just in here. That's part of the recklessness when you think it just happens in here and you don't think the Holy Spirit came out of the holies of holies. A tent broke open. It got out into this world and you don't believe it's there Monday morning at your office. <laughs> or you don't believe it can work in your neighbourhood on a Tuesday afternoon. If you think it just happens when we play the synth button on the keyboard and when we dim the lights and, oh, okay, I can turn up now. That's also recklessness. Holy Spirit's always working. Eager curiosity. That question, do I want the Holy Spirit to be involved in my life? Do I want the Holy Spirit to be involved in my life? I want to pray in a moment. Next week we're going to get a little bit more specific about the types of giftings. But if you are, we have a monthly theme. And anyone want to guess what this theme of this month is? It's hearing from the Holy Spirit. And in there there's just some real practical things that you can explore this week, this month, with your small group around this stuff. It's not, it's not going to blow your mind to practice, but if God turns up, it will. So learning God's voice, read the Bible, prayer, know his word, know who he is, know what sounds like him, pray, talk to him. We've got listen well, stop talking, seek stillness. This one's for me, I wrote this one for me. Stop talking, Steve. <laughs> Not now, a little bit longer, then I'll stop talking, I promise. So the Holy Spirit can actually speak, because you can't speak if you're constantly talking. And then cultivate community. Have good, trusted people around you that can say, hey, I don't think the Holy Spirit's telling you to leave your husband. I don't think the Holy Spirit's telling you that. That doesn't sound like that. Let's look at these verses together. Have good community and then become a disciple, which means become a learner of Jesus. I feel like we should stand and I'm going to pray for us, if that's Okay. And then I'm going to ask the band to come up for one more song. In this small group of people, God, you know there's people here that hold a view that the gifts might not express themselves in this season the way as described in the likes of Acts. I pray for curiosity for them, whatever that looks like. Don't need them to change their position, their conviction, but I pray for curiosity. Then we have people that might be tempted to think that their gifts are extra special or people need to have certain gifts to qualify them for something. I pray for extra discernment and curiosity as well around discernment and order and what that looks like and is that unifying and is that loving. And then for majority of us that are in between, I pray for a heart in this next season in Burley Heads Church of Christ to just not say the words Holy Spirit like it's something we should say in church, but to know the Holy Spirit, 
the third personhood of the Trinity, to know its voice, to know its ways, to, like a child, eagerly be curious about everything it's doing, its power, its unifying force to build the kingdom, its loving force that causes us to be transformed so we're more patient, we're more kind, we're more loving, we're more generous. Pour out your spirit, Lord, on Burley Heads Church of Christ. Let us have curiosity of a child and let us grow in discernment like an adult. But I feel that's something that's pretty heavy on this church at the moment. People are hungry for but don't know a way forward. And I just pray you show us a way forward. You show leadership how to lead and us in an orderly and discerned way. And I pray ultimately, of course, it brings you glory. It brings your kingdom. After all, you are the king. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask the band to come up and we'll sing one more song. Grab one of those there in the foyer on your way out as well, hearing from the Holy Spirit.